heights to the depths of the sea. And Thomas was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm just going to, all the other guys can laugh at me, but Lord, where are you going? And how do we get there? And Jesus said to him, and here's the verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. One of the most significant verses in all of the Bible because it's exclusive, but isn't it open to everyone who believes in Christ? That, that promise is open to every single one. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Thomas should be praised for honestly and clearly explaining his confusion. He thought Jesus was simply going to another place, as if there were another city. Because of Thomas's question, Jesus revealed more of his mission. Jesus didn't say that he would show us a way. He said he is the way. He didn't promise to teach us a truth. He said he is the truth. Jesus didn't offer us the secrets to life. He said that he is the life. If there are many roads to God, then Jesus is not one of them, because he absolutely claimed there was only one road to God, and he himself was that road. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. The Son, notice, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. So you can't just say, well, I believe in God and I'm good. No, there's a lot of people who believe in God. The devils believe in God. And they are opposed to him. They hate him. And they know very well their, their doom that's coming. And isn't, that, isn't that insanity? How is it that an angel that is created, a created being, can look at its creator, and they know better than we do? And yet they can say, no thanks. That is the ultimate in lunacy. And they followed one of the most powerful angels. All it took was one, Lucifer. To say, I will rise above. I will do this. I, I, I. Oh, my. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you can't have one without Jesus. It all stems upon Jesus. What is your attitude toward Jesus? Most of, it, most of us here are well-fed. We've had many years of being well-fed, but I need to tell you again that you need to make sure that that is your foundation, that Jesus Christ is the one that you're living by, not by any other creed or no, no other um, YouTube superstar. No, you need to know the Word of God. You need to know Jesus Christ. He is the only one. In John 5, verse 22, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And so when Jesus says in this chapter that he's the way, the truth, and the life, 
He means there's no other way to get entrance into heaven without believing in him. He is the door. There is no admittance in heaven apart from Christ. Have you received Jesus into your heart? Do you believe that you're a sinner? In need of salvation that only the blood of Jesus Christ can atone for. That is a prerequisite to being saved. You have to know that you're a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I knew from the moment I was old enough to understand, even before I was able to understand what sin was, I was sinning. I was selfish. All I thought about was myself and my needs. And I stole and I cried and I pulled and I grabbed things out of people's hands. Remember, even a baby can do that. Because why? Is it because they've learned something from their parents? No. They will learn from their parents as time goes on, unfortunately, but they're born with that nature. And you and I need a Savior. We need the Savior, not just a Savior. There's only one Savior, do you understand? The world says, oh, there's many Saviors. No, there's one There is one. Buddha and Allah, they are not a Savior. There is only one Savior, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have to take that to the bank. We have to make that deposit in our heart and say, Lord, I believe that with all of my heart, and nothing is going to chase me away from that. Don't let anything chase you away from the truth, because Jesus is the way, the truth. And he said, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. You see, this current tent, this current body that we have, that we live in, and the earth that we currently occupy for a season, it is temporary. It is temporary. We have a habitation yet ahead of us that is not temporal but eternal. The Bible tells us that even concerning our body, what does it tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation. Are you waiting for that? I'm looking forward to the rapture of the church when this old, nasty, ugly body is going to be changed in the twinkling of... Can anybody relate to that, a nasty, ugly body? All the women are saying, I reject that in Jesus' name. But most of the guys over 50 are like, amen, brother. Yeah, this, this nasty, ugly body is going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to be caught up to meet with him. All right? That is... So this is temporal... And even the earth that we live in is temporal. What does it tell us in Hebrews? It says in Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has its foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And what is he referring to? I think it goes way beyond the millennial reign of Christ, because that's a thousand years too. And guess what? That's temporal as well, because this current heavens and earth are going to pass away. So even this current earth, in Revelation 21, it tells us that this current heavens and earth are going to dissolve with fervent heat, and God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth And he is going to bring new Jerusalem down from heaven that he's been preparing. He went to a place. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He's preparing new Jerusalem for us so that when he returns, 
or at the end of the thousand-year reign, he is going to dissolve everything, and he's going to build it new again, and he's going to bring that city down from heaven, and we will be in new bodies, and that will be our eternal state. So everything here is temporal. So why hold on to it so tightly? Why hold on to it so tightly? Notice he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Again, another precious promise that you can, tank to, you can take it to the bank and you can bet on it with all you have. Because before Jesus could go to heaven and prepare a place for us, he first has to ascend into heaven. And Jesus did ascend into heaven 40 days after his resurrection and after his death. It tells us in Acts chapter 1, it says, The former account, O Theophilus, of all I made of all that Jesus both began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, and he through the Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, notice, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And it tells us in that first chapter 2, in, that, in, in chapter 1, excuse me, in verse 9, it says, Now when he had said these things, what did he do? While they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, these two angels says, Why do you stand here gazing up to heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up in heaven will also come in like manner. And doesn't it tell us in Zechariah that the way Jesus ascended to heaven, he's also coming down at the same place? In Zechariah 14, verse 4, it tells us. It says, In that day, his feet, Jesus' feet, in his second coming to the earth, he will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. It's going to come to pass exactly as he said it is. Because he's never lied to us. And this promise of him preparing a place for us that where he is, we might also be is as sure as anything that we can imagine. He makes it very plain. And if it were not so, he would have told us. He tells us the truth because he cannot lie. He cannot lie because he is omniscient. See, we lie because we don't know all the facts. We don't know everything. And so we have to make up things to justify our position. But listen, when you're all-knowing and you're omniscient, there's no need to lie. There's no need. You can just say it. And this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. This is what's happened. And this is what's going to happen. End of topic. And it will come to pass. Only God is omniscient. He's the only one who's omnipotent. He's the only one who is omnipresent. He can say it, and it will happen. And there's no reason for him to lie to us. He ascended into heaven, and he had a different body, and he was able to ascend into heaven. It tells us um, in Corinthians... fifty. Now this I say, Paul says, brethren... That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. In Luke's gospel, behold, my hands and my feet, as he stood before his disciples on that very day that he, was, that he rose from the grave, he said, it is me, see that it is me, handle me and see me. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. 
Jesus had a celestial body and was therefore able to ascend to the Father, and he's preparing a place for us. And at the rapture, we will receive that very same body, a body that can withstand eternity, that can withstand being in the very presence of God the Father who is spirit. Notice in verse 3, he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may also be. Notice his words, I will come again and receive you unto myself. This is another promise of God. And what does it tell us in Numbers 23? God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and will he not make it good? The answer is he will. And Jesus is here speaking of the rapture. I will come and I will receive you unto myself. Where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven. He's going to receive us in the clouds. We're going to meet him. The dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive and remain will be changed. We'll meet him in the clouds, and we will be with him in that new Jerusalem that he's preparing for us, I believe. And where I go, verse 4, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, I'm thankful for Thomas because there's always somebody in the room who wants to ask a question, but they don't. And Thomas says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And again, very comforting. For those of us who don't have it all together, guess what? The disciples didn't have it all together either, so you're in good company. They may have been all thinking of this, but Thomas had the guts to say what they were all thinking, and it gives credence to that old adage which we all know, and that is, the only dumb question is the question that no one asks. Don't let pride get in your way from asking questions. And Thomas was like, you know what, I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm just going to, all the other guys can laugh at me, but Lord, where are you going? And How do we get there? And Jesus said to him, and here's the verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. One of the most significant verses in all of the Bible because it's exclusive, but isn't it open to everyone who believes in Christ? That, that promise is open to every single one. And it's also the, the sixth of the seventh I am statements that Jesus said in the Gospel of John. We know them. We've been looking at them as we've been going through, the, uh, going through the Gospel of John, but notice the sixth one, I am the way. And Jesus is the way. Isn't it interesting that there are many religions in the world? There's even one called the Way Ministry, which is filled with false doctrine. There are many other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons. They all claim to have... To, to, to have a passage to the other side or to heaven. But the Bible says that there is, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ. See, everybody wants to get to heaven. They want to get there on their own rules. They want to get there on their own works, but that's just not the way it works. It's not the way it works. Heaven's entrance is a narrow gate, and believe me, it's a difficult way. If, somebody, if some evangelist has said, come to Christ and all your problems will be solved, he's not telling you the truth. He's not telling you the truth. In fact, it is a, a difficult way. And narrow is the gate. 
Isn't that funny? You'd think it'd be the other way around. But it's not. It's a narrow way. And difficult is the way to life. And why? Because we live in enemy territory. All around us, the, there's so much deception in the world that is constantly, constantly fighting against the truth. Have you noticed that? Whatever the truth is, there is going to be a monumental attack on that truth. And people have been hammering on Jesus Christ and his word ever since he came into being. And they continue. Some of the most famous universities, the, the greatest universities in the world, are the most godless pieces of refuse that there is. And I've been to some of those. I've been to a couple of those schools, and I can say that, so don't be offended if you've gone to those schools as well. But they didn't teach me about Jesus Christ. In fact, they tried to get me to to learn anything else but Jesus Christ, to be self-confident, to build myself, to believe in other things, to follow the crowd, you know, and all these other things. But listen, there's only one way, and it is narrow, and it is difficult. In fact, what does it tell us in Acts chapter 14? Concerning Paul and Barnabas, when they came to the town of Derbe, it says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, notice, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying to them, and notice this, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Yes, that's the part that the evangelists don't like to tell you about. Oh, you're, all your problems will go away, all your bills will be paid, and everything will be just great. Now, you know what? Sometimes, yes, you can be saved and have the joy of salvation, but then the battle really begins. Then life really begins to come front and center. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I was a dead soldier all this time, and now for the first time, I realize there is a real battle, and it's not a physical battle. It can manifest itself in physical ways, but it is a spiritual battle that if we are unaware of it, we are going to be bamboozled, and we are going to be unprepared for what is coming and for what the life we're living right now. We know that it is a narrow way. It is very difficult. Through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. And we are, this life is full of struggles and battles, Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate in Matthew 7, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to what? To life? No, to destructions. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. And yet none of the world's religions except Christianity answers the question or the dilemma concerning sin. Yes, we are all sinners from birth. It tells us in Psalm 51, Behold, David says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Paul tells the Romans, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Aren't you glad you came to church today? All this good news. Oh, I'm I'm so excited because I learned that I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. Yes, we were all born sinners, and so was I. Ah, but we have a glorious future. Amen? We have a glorious future. And, and John the Apostle even includes himself in this whole ordeal. In John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If we, John including himself, says, If we have no sin, if we, don't have a sin, if we say that we don't have a sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But notice, if we confess our sins, those individual acts of sin, he, Jesus, is faithful not only to forgive us, 
but also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's another promise. Memorize that promise. Memorize that promise. So if we are sinners from the womb, then we can, uh, then we, um, then how can we make it to heaven and not spend an eternity in hell? We know that we have to believe in God's only means of salvation, and that's what this whole gospel is about. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, those are very clear statements. He's literally saying, I am the only way, I am the only truth, and I am the only life. Anything that you search beyond that is futility. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he's not only way, but he's also the truth. This means that not only is he the embodiment of truth, but also the things that he says are true. Do you follow me? He's not only truth itself, but the things that he says, the things that he does are truth as well. Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe it? If you do, are you living your life according to it? We live in a world of deception, folks, and we all need to be all in with Jesus and trust him and his word. He is the truth. I remember one time I was with my grandfather back in Pine Island, Florida, when I was a young guy, and I was looking for something. It was right there in front of me, and my grandfather said, you know what? If it had been a snake, it would have bitten you. And he was joking with me, and I thought to myself, wow, it was right there in front of my eyes all this time, and I didn't see it. Well, a very similar thing happened to Pontius Pilate because in John chapter 18, as Jesus was standing and being questioned by Pontius Pilate, Pilate said to him, are you the king then? Are you the king of the Jews, Jesus? And Jesus answered and says, you rightly said that I am a king. You rightly say that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said something amazing. What is truth? What is truth? Very obvious thing. And yet the truth, if it had been a snake, it would have bitten him, as my grandfather said, because the very truth was embodied in front of Pilate, and he didn't know it. But he had the integrity, at least, whatever integrity he had, to say, you know what, I find no fault in this man. He was determined to let him go. And yet truth was standing before him. And truth is standing before a lot of people today, and they refuse, not because they can't understand, it's that they won't. It's a matter of the heart. It's not about education. You can educate somebody with all the truth, but they've got to believe it. Aren't you glad that we have have the Spirit of God in us that's, that's confirming these things to us? As we read it, we're like, this is truth, and you know what? Nobody can take this away. Do you feel like that, Christian? Do you know that you the truths and the promises that God has given to you, no one can take them away from you? No one can take them away from you. And don't let anybody try. You stand on that truth, and you stand on that word of God, and you hold fast to it, and don't let anybody nudge you, because you are right, and they are wrong. And can I say that just be out of my own, some kind of uh, personal bravado? No, no, no bravado of my own, because I believe this. And Jesus has been faithful every single moment, every single day. He has been faithful. He will never cease to be faithful or he'll never cease to be unfaithful. He'll always be faithful.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.